0: So happy with the the You guys are getting this that ramps up for next week, right? There's your little bluegrass preview. Thanks, guys. I just, uh, as we sing, I saw the light. I just hope you guys are getting all ramped up and excited for next week and for this celebration. We're in the second to the last week of Beyond These Walls, and we're really hopeful that next week we'll be able to announce that we, as a collective church, have made a commitment over the next three years to pay off our $5 million mortgage, not for its own sake, but in order to release those funds year over year over year, into the ministry of this community that we might love this community exponentially as we never have before. So if uh, you're a visitor this week, sit back easy, but if this is your home church and you missed us last week you will find a commitment card in your bulletin. I encourage you to fill that out front and back and make the pilgrimage that we all made last week in worship to come on down and drop these commitment cards in the purple baskets so that we can add you to the all in total next week. I wanted to share a little bit about Larry and I's process about that because we're in a slightly different financial place than uh, the stories you've heard so far. This next year is going to be a cut back year for us because the church is graciously letting me go to halftime to spend a little bit more time with my toddler before he starts preschool next fall. Can you believe that? Time guys, it flies, and so, uh, as we were making some budgeting decisions about the future, one thing we did not want to cut back on is the way that we give we didn 't want to cut back our tithe we didn 't want to cut back the, the ways that we as a hackman family choose to give beyond our walls above that, and so we really took pastor Mark 's question to heart if the whole congregation sacrificed at the level that you 're sacrificing, not give the financial number but sacrifice at that level, would we reach our goal? And we came to an annual commitment that we felt like, yes, if the rest of the church committed that way, we would meet our goal. So I hope that even if you're a beyond these walls, your own walls kind of family, and even if it's a cutback year for you, that you're able to give and be all in so that we can celebrate together what happens when we percentage-wise give beyond what we've ever given before and see the kingdom grow that way. So Larry and I are excited to be in on that with you. I think you're going to see in the passage today that the heart of Beyond These Walls really is the heart to heed this commandment that we're going to look at today, to love God and to love others. We're on page 52 of your journey guide, so go ahead and uh, turn there with me. You'll have the passage there, and you'll be able to take some notes as I direct you on the, on the right. Uh, this is a, another touchstone moment. We've been looking through Matthew at these touchstone moments where these— ordinary people, teenagers that Jesus called, became history-making disciples. And this is a moment that the disciples are hearing Jesus talk back and forth with groups of people that are trying to trap him. And this is the last of the questions that comes from a lawyer, and he asks the question, what is the great commandment in the law? And this is Jesus's answer. You heard it from the kids, but I'd love for us to recite that together on page 52, The second paragraph. Say it with me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And I'll keep reading the rest of it. This is the great and the first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you have done a beautiful work in my own heart this week um, to both challenge me and love me and meet me very tenderly and in a convicting way, and I pray that you would do that same work among us as a community. As we really desire to heed your commandment to love you and to love our neighbor, would this be a touchstone moment for us as a community? when we really understand the heart behind why you came and how you want us to let others know about who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Twice in this passage you hear, you shall love. You shall love, you shall love. When Jesus repeats things, it's worth paying attention to. You shall love the Lord your God and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I think uh, a lot of christians we can we can get in, in trouble for making giant lists of everything that we think God expects of us, everything we think it means to relig- to live a religious life, and this passage takes that list and says look it 's really actually simple. The great and the first commandment is this: Love, love, you shall love' You shall love. You shall love first the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. I'd like to summarize um, that by saying it this way. God's desire is that every moment of your life would be connected to his love. God's desire is that every moment of your life be connected to his love. And the first instruction for that is to love God first and to love him with everything that you have. And I think that there, it might be for um, some people if they first hear this that the thing that God wants more than anything else is for you to love Him. They might hear that as an egotistical God, and I could see that if the way that you see God is that He's off and distant. He made heaven and made earth and then left and is sneering down and and demanding your adoration and your affection. I could see that, but I want to challenge you this week to see God a different way. To see God as a, as a loving father who is very near to you. This coming week is is Father's Day. If you, um, I hope that you guys are planning on spending time with your dads or in memory of your dads. I know my dad, more than anything else, would love just to have us at home. He would just love to have all the kids at home. The greatest gift Uh, that a a parent and child can share is a mutual love and a shared time together. Now, I know my dad wouldn't mind if that was on a new boat in the harbor. Any other dads out there, you know? You know what I mean? But really, at the end of the day, what he really wants is time with us, right? And that's really what the heart of this parental love is. I have a I have a morning routine with my little guy on the kind of mornings that I'm proud of and that I want you to know about. The mornings where I wake up before everybody, I've had coffee, I've gone and done my battle with the slugs that are eating my dahlias. It's like the first thing I get to in the morning. And then I come back in and I go upstairs to my little guy that doesn't like to wake up. And I go down and I say, good morning, Reed. Mama loves you. That, that love, that connection, that, um, that desire of mine that Reed always knows how much I love him and starts every day that way, that's the kind of parental love connection that God wants with you. It is not ridiculous in the idea of loving God with all your heart that you would wake up, no matter your age or gender, that you would wake up and say, Hey God, good morning. I love you. Here we go he would love that. That's the heart behind this commandment. He wants us to love him with all of our minds. God wants every moment of your life to be connected to his love. And that includes your thought processes. Particularly, I was thinking about people who work and how God wants to be involved in your work. It was really interesting. The Lord brought very vividly to mind a particular mops mom who I know is going back to work as a landscape architect. And I know that she's working on uh, creating school yards and to make them safe and aesthetically pleasing, and really the Lord helped me hear him talking to her as she processed, and it sounded something like this. Oh, yeah, I like that plant too. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah, I made that one. That one looks really good with this one, and it's not a ridiculous idea to think that the creator God wants to be so connected with you in your work that he would want to brainstorm and be engaged in a loving relationship with you while you work, loving God with all your mind, That's the beautiful part of this command, this invitation into the love of God that fills your heart and that fills your mind. But there's a convicting side of this command too, because God wants every moment of your life connected to his love for you. And that includes those end-of-the-day moments When you have your drink of choice in hand and you're either sitting watching TV or you're reading a book, God wants to enter into those moments with you too. And do you know, I actually believe that God can enjoy fun and leisure with you. I don't think the only way to be in, uh, in moments of shared, connected love with the Father is to be reading Calvin's Institutes, okay? I really think that God wants to enter into that fun and leisure with you. But there's something about uh, how our soul connects with God in those moments. And I just encourage you to a moment of conviction to consider whether or not how you spend those last hours of the day draws your soul toward the Lord or away from him. Do the characters and the themes that you're engaging with, do they speak and do they connect you to the love of God in your soul or do they draw you away from him? Because the Lord wants to spend every moment connected with you. He wants you to love you with all of his heart and soul and mind and strength. So I'm going to usher you a a love dare challenge. I want you to jot down. I'm giving you three options. So you have room in your notes on page 53. You can jot this down. But one one of three options for a love dare. The first I call the read dare. So when you wake up in the morning, you could practice this week waking up and saying, Good morning, God. I love you and then go about your day. Or choice two, I call it the at work love dare. You could set an alarm on your phone at a completely random time, ten twenty seven or something, and put on your, on your phone, God wants to brainstorm this with you. Just wonder what it would look like if you interjected your work, if it would reconnect you with the love that God has for you and the way he wants to work with you. Or uh, number three is the leisure love dare. And that's to go home first thing and put on a post-it note, God wants to sit with you. And then put it wherever you spend those last couple couple hours of the day. Because I really believe that the Lord has a beautiful and a convicting invitation to us to love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And then the Lord gives us a second command. He says, uh, love the Lord your God's f- great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love the, your neighbor as yourself. Only Jesus can get away with this. The lawyer asks for the great commandment, and Jesus gives two. <laughs> but he puts them in parallel. He says, love the Lord your God, and then the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If Jesus is commanding you to love your neighbor as yourself, what question do you want answered? Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor, right? It was my first question. It was my life group's first question. And guess what? It was the lawyer's first comeback question. In Luke uh, chapter 10, Luke records this same interaction with the lawyer, and he says that the lawyer asks, seeking to justify himself, then who is my neighbor? And he goes on to tell this story that's very familiar. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And I just want to walk you back through that story, jog your memory a little bit. The story goes that there is a man who's on a road and he gets attacked by robbers and he's left on the side of the road to die. And a pastor type walks by, sees the guy in the ditch, and then crosses to the other side of the road and keeps on going. And then a really religious person comes by, sees the guy in the side of the road, keeps on walking, and on it goes. The third guy who walks by is a Samaritan. A Samaritan um, was a a race, a minority race that the Jews did not like. And so this was a shocking story for them. So the Samaritan walks by, and he sees the guy in the ditch, and he has compassion on him. So he gives him some money so he can take care of himself, and he keeps on going. Anybody with me? Is that how the story goes? No. Okay, so let's try this again. Samaritan walks by, sees the guy in the ditch. He has compassion on him. He binds up his wounds. He puts him on his horse. He walks him back into the city. He takes him to the hospital. He stays with him two days, pays his medical bills, and then says he's going to come back and check on him. And then Jesus says, who then was the neighbor? I love this. Jesus doesn't answer the lawyer's question again. (laughs) The lawyer's question, our question is, who is my neighbor? And Jesus is more interested in how we love at this point than who we love, because Jesus is going to go on to say that even your enemy deserves your love. What he's teaching us is how we are to love everyone. So let's look at this example of the Good Samaritan. The way that he loved was deeply sacrificial and at great personal cost. First, it cost him his cleanliness. He bound up his wounds. He wouldn't have been able to go to the temple for a week. Then he puts him on his horse, so he sacrifices having to walk himself. Then he gives up two days to be with him in the hospital. I bet he's had something else to do. Then he paid for his medical bills, and then he gives him his friendship. He says he's going to come back and check on him. This is the way that Jesus wants us to love. So if you were to write down a list of all the neighbors that God has put in your life, and then you sought to love them like this, how do you feel? Is it a little daunting? you a little overwhelmed? Is your schedule a little full? Your money a little short? You might even say that that kind of love, that at great personal cost, is impossible. One of the things that I have loved so much about this journey through Matthew is I've really been sensing that Jesus wants us, his disciples, in an impossible business. He wants us to come with him to see the impossible done. Jesus is going to go back over this commandment again within just a couple of days with his disciples when it's just he and they and they're in the upper room and they're having a meal together on the night before he dies— And John chapter 15 records this conversation. Jesus tells this commandment again, and he adds an extra phrase. So I want you to write down this extra phrase when you hear it, okay? It's from John chapter 15, verse 12. Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love as I have loved you. The disciples have seen Jesus love tremendously, haven't they? They've seen God leave heaven and come to earth and live an ordinary life that became very extraordinary in his ministry as he touched lepers and healed people, fed everyone, had time for the crowds, washed the feet of his disciples. And then the very next day, he would die for them. John fifteen thirteen, the very next verse, "'Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends.'" Jesus knows that he's called us to an impossible, sacrificial love at tremendous personal cost. And that is the love as he has loved. Pastor Mark reminded us last week of the story where he, tell, he says that um, a camel going through the eye of a needle is impossible, right? But with God, he says, all things are possible. God, it will enable us To live an impossible love for our neighbor. It is a beautiful commandment that he's given us. And it's a very convicting commandment that he's given us. It was very convicting for me this week. I'm embarrassed, but isn't it true that it is sometimes hardest to love the neighbors that are closest to us, right? And in this case, I really failed to love my husband as I love myself, but I am not the same person today that I was on Monday, like as in this Monday. And it's really true. On Monday, I woke up. It was not one of those mornings that I'm proud of. And uh, can we just just suffice to, to say that we had bad communication? Can you just understand what that means? Okay, good. And I left the house, and I got in the car, and the Holy Spirit started to show me the subconscious thoughts that I had had all morning. So just give me a head nod of assurance if you're with me, if you've ever gone down these chains of thoughts. You don't need a mega head nod. You don't need to admit yourself to the people around you. Just enough for you and me, okay? If you ever gone down the line of, that is so not fair. I see any head nods. Okay. How about, um, well, I think I deserve. No, 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 no. Yeah, okay. Um, this one. Um Oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. I'll do that too. That, that, that to me is like the kiss of death. It is the martyrdom clause. And uh, th- these, are, these, are not, these are not happy things to say out loud because these are not love moments. These are not love thoughts. These are thoughts that are separated from God's love. And anything that is separated from God's love, what do we call that? Sin. We call that sin. Sin. And that is where my mind had spun, which separated me from God. I was separated from love of God in my mind. And guess what? That uh, internal thought, that comes out. It comes out ugly. And it separated me from my neighbor. It separated me from Larry and my sin. So I beautifully, the Holy Spirit just met me so gently and convicted me so tenderly through this verse. Because here's the thing, like those kids that have put all that scripture in your heart, when you let that stuff soak in deep, it comes up when it needs to. So I'm driving to church and the Lord just gently puts in my heart, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And I just said, oh Jesus, I'm sorry. Help me to love you with my mind we walked through those phrases and I asked for forgiveness. And then I knew that I needed a reconciliation with my husband. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so I went through a practice of gratitude where I just, in my own mind, listed the things I was grateful for for my family. Look, gratitude is an amazing combatant against selfishness. And so here I come into church. I drop off, read it Monday morning out. I go run with a friend who speaks good truth to me. Then I run into a of, friend of Larry's and just gripe hardcore which then I like had to go home and immediately ask for forgiveness for that, because there it went again. Okay, I'm just being real about what this process looks like. But Jesus worked a miracle somewhere between the car ride and the griping and the truth, and scrubbing furniture that afternoon. Okay, so here I am around noon after nap time. I'm wiping down furniture, and just as clearly as the Holy Spirit had brought to mind that ugly phrase, oh yeah, I'll do that too, the Holy Spirit brought me joy. And I realized I was joyful serving my family. How do we do that? How do we go from being people who scream about cat puke at 8.30 in the morning to people who are joyful in service to our family in the afternoon? With me, that is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And Jesus has loved us to reconnect us. He wants every moment connected to his love for us. And I am so convinced, church, that we spend too many moments separated from his love for us, completely unnecessarily. And because we miss out on being connected to his love, we are missing out on sharing that impossible, sacrificial love that comes at tremendous personal cost with others. The Lord wants so much more for us, and it is gentle, and it is freeing, and it is grace-filled, and it comes out of, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. That you shall love, man, that's, that's the mountains of this text. And every once in a while when I'm studying, I miss the mountains for the molehills. But there was a molehill worth finding in this text, and I want to tell you about it, okay? It's from that last verse. It's the word depend. Circle that word on um, page 52 in your text, if you will. The word depend. Depend is the same word in the Greek as crucify. Both mean to hang on. Both mean to hang on. Jesus was crucified. He hung on a cross. And these two commandments, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Okay, so stick with me for a second here. All the law and the prophets refers to all of the Old Testament. Okay, Jesus, that's how Jesus referred to the Old Testament. He was writing the New Testament. So all the law and the prophets, they hang on this idea of loving God and loving neighbor. Whenever the Old Testament, many, many times, when the Old Testament quotes this instruction that you shall love, you shall love your neighbor, your, the stranger, your family, your parents, the Lord your God, the, the end phrase at the end of that, it says, for I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of slavery. Our love, the way that we are love others is deeply rooted in God's love for us. He is the Lord, our God, he freed us from slavery. So if you will, the two commandments are the nail on which hang all the law and the prophets. But that nail, that instruction to love God and love neighbor is firmly rooted in a really secure stud, it is nailed into a really good stud. And that is the stud of God's love for you. You shall love one another as I have loved you. You have a really secure, secure place with God the Father who loves you. And then comes his instruction. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. And then everything else comes after that. I think we get the order backwards. So my, my, my second challenge to you is a soul-searching challenge. And I just want to invite you, if you feel like you are living your life struggling with all the shoulds and should nots, that giant religious list that I referred to at the beginning, you feel like God has tons of expectations for you. Listen, if it doesn't, if it's not born out of love for God and love for neighbor, it's going to fall to the ground. So I want you to just set aside for the week all the should and should nots and do a soul search on the two commands, loving God and loving neighbor, and check where your heart is with that. If you're having a week that sounds a little bit more like my week, where it's really in loving God and loving neighbor that you're struggling, I want you to meditate for a week on the secure love that God has for you. There are, uh, there's a bulletin full of verses for that in the Family Life Letter. You can check those out. But I, I, I so long for you to see the sacrificial love that Jesus has for you. He loves you so much. God's desire is that every moment of your life would be connected to his love, his love for you. And out of that, you shall love the Lord your God. And out of that, you shall love your neighbor. And then everything else depends on, hangs on, those two commandments, we seek to be a community that heeds the command of God, and we cannot do it. It is impossible without him, but with God, all things are possible. He is in the miracle business. I love that today we are celebrating communion because all of this text culminizes in this gift of Jesus that he wants to abide with us. He wants to dwell in us. He wants to make us the history-making disciples that are marked by love. And he knows we'll forget and so he gives us these tangible reminders. He gives us bread and juice to remind us that he dwells within us. And so as we transition to communion, what I, what I want to ask of you is that you would hear these familiar words of communion and meditate on the sacrificial love that Jesus has for you that came at tremendous personal cost. He so loves you. And let communion be an opportunity to reconnect to his love. Would you pray with me as we prepare? Heavenly Father, would you set aside bread and juice that we might remember that you dwell in us and that you've called us to the impossible with you. What an incredible mission we are on with you. Would we love you and love one another more as you meet with us here? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.